Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Kayla McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. <laughs> it's Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Internet World Order's second Halloween season. I am so excited, guys. This is my favorite time of year. Not only is my birthday in about, I want to say, three weeks, maybe? Yeah, probably about three weeks. We are looking at a very fun, spooky, an exciting Halloween for us here at the Internet World Order. And, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Scaredy Cat Caleb Mecklemore. But, oh. I actually am going to remove that name from him now, even though it wasn't really there to begin with. <laughs> the thing is, guys, Caleb has decided to explore some new movies, some different horror movies. And I am very excited to talk about them with him because he's not much of a horror movie person, which is not a bad thing. It's just so funny because I am. And (laughs) (laughs) when we watch these different movies, especially movies that he probably wouldn't normally watch, it's interesting to kind of be like, oh, well, this was my perspective from someone who's just now watching this versus something that I have seen umpteen times. And guys, we're going to start off our holiday season with an absolute banger of an episode. Today, we're talking about Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Yeah, and one, I had to recover from the boo because I was not expecting that. So, um, <laughs> he, he got me back because I, I scared him pretty good before he started recording, so I should have <laughs> seen this coming. But, um, so first off, as he said, like, we for those that... Uh, been following like we covered the first evil dead last year which was definitely an experience for me if nothing else and so i was just like well austin for those that have listened to the episode austin and uh mikey both were just like hey i would probably like the evil dead 2 more because yeah it has like horror elements to it but it definitely leaves more comedic and it's just very different in tone and he wasn't wrong because I really did enjoy this. It's super cheesy, but it it's, as we've said with a lot of reviews we've done, it knows exactly what it was doing. None of it was by accident. It knew what it was doing. And I honestly respect it. And I loved it for the fact it embraced its silliness while still ter- telling basically a horror story. Yeah, that that's kind of the beauty of it. Because like, it's not a complete 180. But it's very much like a 90 degree turn from where the original Evil Dead was. And the original Evil Dead is very much itself a miracle. And the fact that it, one, got filmed, mm-hmm. <laughs> two, got released, and three, started Sam Raimi's career. And uh, it, it's so fascinating to watch them back to back and just see like the level of like, and I'm sure the man would agree the level of maturity that comes with experience and it's just really like funny to like, which it's so funny to say maturity, 
but <laughs> this movie and this series is anything but mature in its content, but it's maturity in its filmmaking. And this is a much more polished, a much more experienced, and a much more enthusiastic Sam Raimi. And also yeah. Bruce Campbell. So we kind of get the best of both worlds here. And I, I think this is what really, really put him on the map because we'll talk about Crime Wave in a minute. But Caleb, I think you had something you wanted to say. Oh, no, just uh, as you said, like it really does show like the difference between like the first one, and the second one, and not in a bad way, just like it showed how much more like experience Sam Raimi had gotten. And just like, yeah, they definitely had a bigger budget. Still not like, you know, the huge budgets you'd see for movies like, you know, Terminator or not first one didn't, but like Terminator two or like Batman 89, like didn't have those kind of budgets, but it definitely had more. And the way it made it work was like, obviously we'll break it down as we go forward, but it was definitely quite the ride. It is a joy to watch for practical effects and anyone who doubts practical effects will <laughs> watch this movie. Nothing's perfect as is the case with like pretty much every effect ever. And the beauty of that effect is to kind of give you the what's, what's the word I'm looking for. Suspension of disbelief. I don't know why I said a word. That's a phrase, but <laughs> they, they do a great job of sucking you into this world throwing pretty much everything at you and then you still going like, yeah, I could see this. And that's the cool thing about it. Like the first movie was very rife with, well, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there a lot and a lot of very clear talent from pretty much everyone involved too, because they made that first movie for about $400,000. And you might be like, but guys, $400,000 is a lot of money. Yes, but not for a movie. (laughs) No, that, <laughs> that is, is $50,000 more than what they made the original Halloween for. You'll probably wonder why I'm bringing that up, but I'm not going to give you the answer. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. They have this huge jump in terms of how much financing they have. Like, obviously, they weren't going to go full bore, like, do whatever you want. But they said, hey, if you want to go crazy, go crazy. If you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. And they did. It does both. (laughs) (laughs) It does all of it, almost all at once. No more telling you exactly what this movie is like. We're just going to kind of get into it a little bit more. Like, it won't necessarily be plot for plot, beat for beat, but we're going to cover pretty much every major plot point. And Mm -hmm. you guys will know because this is a movie that's been around for like 40 years now. It's (laughs) very much a movie that it's on HBO Max right now, along with the original Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Wow, what a trilogy. And the thing about this movie is it had a $3.5 million budget, which substantially more, but at the same time, that's still not a lot. And the main reason this movie like kind of came about was because Sam Raimi, like, I don't think he wanted to do it originally, not because he didn't think it would be good or he didn't believe in it, but he wanted to pursue other projects. And after Evil Dead's release and everything that they did with that, you know, they're kind of like, well, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And Bruce Campbell was still in Detroit. So they're still kind of in Michigan, still kind of floating around a little bit. And that was the other thing I thought about. Like, I thought, you know, the first Evil Dead was their star making turn. Not really. They kind of were looking for other projects and, you know, still trying to find, you know, like what's going to take them on a successful career path. 
And they ended up making a movie called Crime Wave, which, I mean, Caleb, do you know what Crime Wave is? Have you ever heard of Crime Wave? No, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I actually haven't heard of it either. Exactly. So (laughs) the thing with Crime Wave is that it was a bit of a chaotic shoot. And they basically gave Sam Raimi, who was like 22 at the time. They're like, here's $2 million to make this movie. And I'm going to be straight up with you. That's not a good idea. (laughs) As someone who absolutely adores Sam Raimi, it's not Sam Raimi. It's the fact that he's 22 (laughs) and giving someone that much money and little supervision and then just going, make this. And, you know, it was chaotic. It was constant back and forth. Studio tried to come in and take over at one point and it changed everything up. There were certain places they can't film because they filmed almost all of it in Detroit. I I think they might have filmed all of it in Detroit, but the stunts were a little dangerous just because things would go awry. They would be filming in places that didn't have heating and they were filming in Detroit in the winter. <laughs> and that's brutal. And that's just the schedule they got. And that's, you know, really unfortunate. And uh, as you guys can probably tell, I'm not speaking poorly on them. This just happens. This, like, yeah. it's not something that's relative to the film industry, but these things do happen. And sometimes it's really unfortunate. But I don't even think the movie got like, a US release like it got like a small unmarketed like Canadian release and they sort of like the studio tried to forget about it and I think it almost turned them off movie making completely but Evil Dead was around the corner and it essentially rejuvenated their love for making movies because as you can see there is a lot more joy there is a lot more energy and there's a lot more love that goes into this like Crime Wave was it's become somewhat like what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's not a cult film. Like there's a small cult that kind of like appreciates it or like appreciates what it tried to do. But it's one of those movies that like without that movie, we would never would have gotten evil dead too. And it's just interesting to kind of note that because most people probably wouldn't note that they're just like, Oh wow, this is different. And the thing with evil dead too, was that it was essentially like, well, we should change a couple things around because again, you're dealing with an older, more experienced Sam Raimi who kind of looked at some of the things from the first one and was like, maybe that can go (laughs) as you guys can probably tell the tree scene is no longer in the continuity from this part of it forward. And that's not a bad thing because even Sam Raimi himself has been like, yeah, no, I regret that. And this is a much more comedic spin on the entire universe that he kind of created with deadites and gore and creature effects and the cabin in the woods mythology that goes on. And I've been talking forever. So, (laughs) Caleb, I want to know what you kind of like thought and what your thought process was when you were looking at the start of this movie and how like. You know, those first like five, ten minutes, you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it was interesting because, like, because coming from someone that's like this first time seeing it, obviously, I had no idea what to expect. I just thought I was gonna be like, oh, it's a sequel, just straight up. Because, you know, the first one ends with like the evil presence, like, you know, coming for Ash and 
you don't know if he dies or what happens. So I thought it's going to pick up from there. The first five, 10 minutes is basically like a speed run of the first movie. And there's only, it's only Bruce and, uh, <clears throat> and his girlfriend, uh, Linda. And at first I was like, I was so confused. Cause I thought it was going to maybe be like a, cause you know, this movie came out six years later from the first one. So I was like, Oh, maybe it's just a kind of like a catch you up. Cause you know, it's been a while. And, but no, it was different. Like Ash is sitting there playing like piano and like, he's way more like confident. He's not just, you know, at first I was like, is he no longer a total coward? And spoiler, no, he still is just not initially. And, um, I was just confused. I mean, it, it hit all the points of, you know, the, the necklace with the little, like, look, kind of looks like a magnifying glass to me, but, um, mm-hmm. Pretty much. You know, she gets possessed. He beheads her and, you know, buries her with the little, like, cross made from sticks. And I was just like, so did we just, like, negate the entire first movie? And I was tempted to text Austin going, did I waste my time watching the first movie? And, uh, <laughs> and then I looked it up and, yeah, there's rights issues. And so they had to, you know, make do. And uh, Sam Raimi apparently... I obviously can't confirm as people have said and have claimed that he has said that if you just cut off the first five minutes and we'll get to it later and the last five minutes, this movie perfectly fits in with one and three. Mm-hmm. So, so it was weird for me initially. Cause like I said, I had to pause it after about when 15 minutes in, I had to pause it and go, am I going crazy? Did I miss something? Is there like a 1.5? I just didn't know about. And I had like looked it up. And then when I found out all that stuff, I was like, okay, we're good. That makes sense. Sucks, but it's Hollywood. What you going to do? And I press play and I just enjoyed the madness. That was this movie. Of, of which there is much. <laughs> poor, like, look, Ash may be a coward and boy is he, but it's to the point that it's just like, I understand it. Cause if I was going through this, I kind of would be too. Right. He's a coward that changes by the end of the movie and sort of is able to, well, not that he doesn't in the original, but in this one, his cowardly moments at least make more sense. Yeah. He's not sitting there staring blankly as a woman's just like trying, like holding the ax, like in the first one, just staring blankly. And you're just like, my guy, bro, <laughs> you've got to do something. And like, she's screaming for like 30 minutes while his buddy's fighting for his life. Like, <laughs> I know. Right. But this one, it's more, it makes sense when he gets cowardly. And, and this whole movie is literally can be summed up as watch a man fight for his life and both <sighs> physically and mentally fight for his life. And, uh, yeah, like so I thought it was a nice touch that like the darkness it overtaking him and it turning him into like a I mean oh deadite. I kind of just thought Ghoul I didn't know it had like an official name. Mm-hmm. And uh I really liked the uh costume makeup effect like practical stuff they had for that, like when he was turned into the deadite. I thought that looked really cool. It was good, right? Yeah, it was really well done. I was like, dang. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I know uh, that it's like it seems a little kind of like, oh, it's sort of like cheesy 80s, like horror where you're like, oh, it's a little, you know, like overdone or maybe like a little overlit. But it perfectly matches the entire like 
aesthetic of the movie and it feels it feels natural and i think because of that it looks even better than it would already because they did such a great job with it it just fits into the entire theme of the movie that much more and that helps because obviously if it fits into the aesthetic then you'll accept it if it like looked weird like i don't know if it was like and they still made it look like ghoulish but it was like i don't know like blue it would take you out of it because you're like why yeah but (laughs) um like it looked how it needed to look and i like the you know the the (laughs) i think it's kind of funny it was like you know sunlight made it go away i'm like is this a vampire why does that work but um so it it gave him an out to where and he finds out you know the bridge is out so he's kind of stuck at that cabin until something comes up to help him and just watching this poor man go crazy in the house because like Austin and I were talking before we recorded this is not a very long movie and I'd say 80 to 85 percent of it it's it's literally Bruce Campbell well Ash by himself basically doing a one-man show and that's amazing he oh, he really established himself in this one and I knew that this movie, I think the moment I knew that I was going to be in love with this movie was when I realized exactly what kind of performance he was going to give. And it was when he was dancing with his girlfriend with, yeah. uh, with Linda and he looks at her and he's like, want some champagne baby. And I was like, Oh, let's go. <laughs> it's going to be this kind of movie where they oh, just yeah, you, go for it. Yeah. When you realize he's just going to be doing one liners and, He's trying to do like very much false confidence and um, like, but very obvious and clearly forced false confidence to the point where you're like, Oh, Oh, this oh, is yeah. going to be nuts. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Like he's very much putting on a front and, and like, Oh, but like, and he realized it takes absolutely nothing to break that front. Right. And I think for some people, if like you're a classically trained actor, you might look at one aspect of like Bruce Campbell's like work and his acting and be like, oh, well, you know, he, he's kind of a little over the top in a lot of his stuff. Yes, but I think his true major strength lies in the fact that he has some of the best physical comedy of any actor oh, yes. ever. <laughs> like maybe no. not, you know, like Charlie Chaplin. Or Buster Keaton, of course. But yeah, those are also literal living I mean, legends. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I mean, if there's if there are such things as like acting gods, like I think they're up there. If the only two people above you are people named Chaplin and Keaton, I'm sure you're all right. I- <laughs> yeah, because I mean, yeah, it'd be like sitting, it'd be like sitting there, like, well, you're you, you have pretty witty comedy. Like the only one that's wittier than you is like Groucho Marx. It's like, you know how high of a bar that is, like. That's a d- <laughs> that's a very high bar, and it's like if that's the only person that's above you, you're doing something right. Right. It, it really like I think this is basically like what established him as like an all timer because for me, like you know he he obviously would have had a very good career. I think like boundless whether or not like if this had been his real breakout role like his talent would have shined at some point or another. Well, yeah, he had leaning man qualities. I mean, with like just the way he looked and his voice and the way he could like deliver stuff. I was like, Oh, like you said, like even if this hadn't worked, like 
He has the leading man qualities. He was fine. He, I used to refer to him as the chin. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because <laughs> he's just he's literally crimson shin brought to life. He, yeah, the man has a jawline for days, <laughs> as you said, his chin could cut boulders. <laughs> he <laughs> like he's handsome. He has charisma. And even if it's not for everyone, it's there and you've got to acknowledge it. And oh, yeah. It, go ahead. I was going to say, and I think what helped is that uh, this movie lives and dies on his performance. Because if he just went out there and sucked, this movie would not be well received. Oh, I would have cried. Because <laughs> this isn't like, a, this isn't an ensemble movie where, because sometimes there's an ensemble, especially like when you have more of an, like the original Evil Dead, where there's like, you know, four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like if one is not doing so well and maybe not because they're bad maybe it's just like something's wrong or the chemistry's not there but if one person's not doing well you have other people to help pull up you know hold their weight when it's just literally him interacting with a bunch of objects mm-hmm. and he's literally having to act with a prosthetic hand like so it lives and dies on you and talking from the acting perspective there's nothing like it's what every actor wants but also every actor is terrified of because the pros and cons are obvious and so (laughs) and uh it terrifies you because you're just like oh i love having all this pressure but then you're like oh i don't like having all this pressure and uh yeah so and also when you're talking like you know the -the over-the-topness I don't know, obviously, because I'm just one, you know, it's just me, but I don't know how, but the consensus I got from other actors I've met over the years and talked to on sets and whatnot, as much as we like, you know, acting like certain characters or or playing people that are very different from us, because that's a challenge, actors love, and I'm included, playing over-the-top melodramatic characters, because then you basically get to use every, like, when acting coaches or teachers would tell you like what not to do or, Hey, do this, but on a scale of one to 10, keep it at a five and you could go screw that. It goes up to 11. We love it. And so I got to think Bruce Campbell just had a ball. Yeah, this was, I mean, it's a hard role and that's the thing. Like the first one is sort of just like, he's very much like a stereotypical, like, Oh, I'm just a guy like, and I have mm-hmm. a girlfriend and everyone's possessed and I am a coward and yep. you bastards. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Where in this yeah, one, right. he just goes well, for it. And, and he, also says that exact line. Yeah, no, literally I'm not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like word for word. He legitimately throws himself into this. And by that, I mean like he actually physically hurls himself across the <laughs> in a way that, that like, would make stunt men blush. They're like, "Oh my gosh, Bruce, what are you, what are you doing?" And he- oh yeah, and like, well, because one of the things that Austin you mentioned when we watched the first one last year is, uh, I would like the physical comedy in this because one, I that's whenever I play comedic characters, I love being able to do physical comedy because it's just I, I have a heyday with it, and so I adored the physical comedy of this of like so, uh, you know. The physical comedy, like when the when Linda's head, well, one when you get to watch the little dance scene, like with the <laughs> zon- with Linda, which I don't know why, but it came, 
it kind of reminded me of Spaceballs when they have the alien like little like necromorph worm come out and starts doing the WB frog dance. It kind of reminded me of that. Hello, (laughs) my baby. Hello, my honey. (laughs) I have expected them to come out with like the non-copyrighted please don't sue us version. And which I uh, that's very much a Sam Raimi thing to do. And it shows restraint that he didn't. (laughs) Exactly. But um just so when you saw that, you're just like, oh, because until then you're like, is this going to be more horror or because it's like kind of at first you're kind of like eh. and then when you saw that and you're like oh no I know exactly what I'm in for now and right it's an excellent blend of both without being too overwhelming on one end yeah and especially when it just wee like just goes off into the like night and you're like what the, the little Mario yahoo <laughs> she like soars <laughs> into the shadow and you're like well I guess that's that <laughs> even, like even like Ash has that face of like well that happened and, um, <laughs> am I scared or I uh, confused. <laughs> and of course, the first thought I thought was like, when it showed like her come out of the like the ground, I was like, boy, that body decomposed fast for just a day. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> unbelievable. But also, but, pretty much everything in this movie is. So who? Cares? No, I know. It's <laughs> like many things we cover. In case you know y'all are keeping count, which if you are, cool. I'd like to know what number you're at. Of if this is where you draw the line. <laughs> Like, no, this is not where you like the amount you've already accepted by this point. So, um, I said, you just watch basically. And then she's like trying to get to him and, you know, head comes off again. And just in the comedic, like the head bites his hand and like him, like hitting her head, trying to get her to let go. Like she's a rabid dog. Guy just slamming it around on the walls and everything. Which the, the funniest thing about that is that like he was just sitting in the chair, like having that bad dream, like because it was all supposed to be like a nightmare. And then her head right. just rolls up and it's like, hello, and just bites his hand. And I was just like, you know what? I don't even understand the, the logistics of how that happened, but like I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's so funny. And just the over the topness of it, just like, boom. Just slamming it, dude. And then we get, I think, probably one of the single best instances of like actual physical comedy from him where he's running outside to the shed because he's going to go get the chainsaw and he's falling over. He like falls down the stairs and then like tumbles over these two gas canisters. And it's just this long, unbroken shot of him just absolutely spilling around. It's incredible. It is. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know I've said it a million times, but like his physical comedy is second to pretty much none. No, agreed. And that's one of those like when I saw it, especially like with how it was like kind of uninterrupted. There's no like, like a uh, suddenly a shift to like a different perspective. It makes me wonder if like they were filming that and they watched him fall and then like before like almost like they're about to yell cut, but then like he got back up and as they were watching him do all that, they're like, no, 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 we're gonna keep this. Yeah, I, I think one of the other things that really shows in this is I think Sam Raimi had more experience and he was just like, you know what? Here's kind of what I want to go for. Whatever you think is the best way to do that, I trust you to do, which Caleb, I'm sure you as an actor would be like, <laughs> oh my God, that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> that's but, all you ever want to hear. Like just being told, you know, because when you get hired on for a job, like you're being told, hey, I trust you with this role. So, when a director like confirms that trust, it feels good. And you're just like, cool. 
Now I can apply my craft. You hired a professional. Now I can act like one. And uh, so, and the, I did like the moment where, like, after you found the little thing, like, to put her head to get her off of him. And when it turned back into, like, regular Linda talking to him, I'm like, that was really well done. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that was, and, that was good stuff. That was a great effect. Yeah, I was like, well, I really did that. Like, good job. Y'all, y'all nailed it. <laughs> and um, You forgot the part, though, where the literal headless body runs in with the chainsaw. Oh my gosh. And like, <laughs> I just was laughing. And, and then, like, the way he changed, like, the chainsaw goes into like the neck and it's just, like still going. I'm like, what is this RE4 BS I'm watching right now? Just squirting blood all over him. It's so, it's so silly. But I think the other little detail that made me laugh that I don't think a lot of people would notice on a first watch is when he pulls back the drape to get the chainsaw. There's, for no reason, there's a giant outline of a chainsaw. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, what? In the- I, I was just- like, why? <laughs> and the thing is, I love how it kind of softly acknowledges the first one. Cause like, it's like he knew it was there. I'm like, well, if, how would you know it's there? Is it because of the first movie when you went and grabbed it? So I kind of like how it subtly acknowledges the first one. I feel like it's like and, a spiritual uh, sequel. Kind of like how Dr. Sleep is to the original shining. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just, oh my gosh, that whole thing. And he, he does the, like, and he puts a chainsaw on her head to like, and it just, I like how like it cut away from it and in the shadow, just once again, blood everywhere. just going all over his face. And the other running gag I loved in this movie is that Bruce, uh, or he's saying like Ash would go from just being covered in blood to suddenly clean, except for one dash of blood on each cheek and one on his forehead. And it felt so on purpose. They're like, he's going to look terrible if he's just covered in gore the whole movie. But we're going to leave yeah. little traces of it here and there just to remind you that this is a running joke. Because like continuity, like bad continuity is when you forget once or twice. Intentionally bad continuity is when you just do not care and you just go for it. And, oh, yeah. And the fact <sighs> it was the same trails of blood every time, no matter what he was covered in just literally seconds before. So that cracked me up once I realized it was on purpose. Then we get, oh, Caleb, <laughs> we get the gold standard for literally acting against your own hand. Basically, honestly, yeah. <laughs> this, his hand gets possessed, by the way. And I think he, he does like a variation of like, you bastards, why are you let give me back my hand? <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Bro, and because I forgot, I was like, "Oh yeah, Ash doesn't have a hand." When does he? Oh, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, because at the end of the first one, I was like, "Oh okay, I guess." In the second one, is when I was like, "Okay, so at some point he loses his hand, right?" I'm like, and when I saw the possession, I'm like, "Oh, there it is." Yeah, the the second one I think is like the main source of continuity for pretty much every Evil Dead adaptation, including Ash versus Evil Dead, which I'm not gonna make you watch that right now. Caleb, because that that's a lot for you, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying like you'll be a little upset with me. <laughs> Fair and, enough. Which is a shame. Like, I mean, I understand. I'll, I'll work my way up to it one day. We'll see. I just yeah. I, I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for Ash Williams because he's just such a. I guess it's appropriate since we just finished Space Dandy, where he's, you know, it's a lovable loser. And that's very much what Ash Williams is. 
Yeah, it's almost like we're not switching characters. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much the essential, like, transition we're getting here. And, oh my gosh, the scene, his hand becomes possessed, and it's punching him and hitting him, and at one point it literally pulls him from, like, his shirt and flips him over. I, my lord. Oh my gosh, dude. That was, number one, perfectly pulled off. Number huh? two, it leads to the scene where it's hitting him with plates and like just beating him around, <laughs> just grabbing for things in the di- like in the dish rack and just hitting him with it. And I'm unable to contain oh. my laughter. I <laughs> it, it reminded me of um in Roger Rabbit when the record starts skipping when Roger's hitting himself with a plate and he's mm-hmm. like da da crash da da crash. I I think those are, these are like within a year of each other, by the way. And are Ramy and Zemeckis. Uh, friends, I am assuming so, but I don't think that was intentional. <laughs> that would be hilarious if it was. I just for think several that, reasons. I just think they understand the assignment. <laughs> oh, of course, no, no. But that's also a classic gag that's been around for decades. And um, like, so yeah, just like, and also another thing about this movie that I thought was kind of funny: Ash is surprisingly durable, like just as a person. He, the man <laughs> is built like a Looney Tune. Yeah. <laughs> He basically, I was like, yeah, he, he, he does not follow cartoon logic, but he has the durability of a tune. Right. There's so many times where I was like, man should be dead. But before they actually take it to where like, oh, he would die. Cause like they have the whole like hand pulling him towards the knife scene, which. Oh my God. That looks so good. That, that's like the other thing. Like, yes, it's funny, but the way that they make it believable that his hand is pulling him along the ground. Oh yeah. Again. No, I mean props to everyone who worked that scene because that could not have been easy oh no this this whole film is pretty much almost entirely practical effects outside of like a couple things that might be stop motion but which i mean still props to that but like i I guess that's technically practical yeah that's yeah what am i talking about i'm (laughs) i was like what cg was around back then well uh, there's cg at the end (laughs) <laughs> oh i know but I we'll know. get to that it's it's not much but, um, uh but i i just like the fact that one it's like the fact that the hand could see the knife i'm like how can you see things when you have no eyes who cares but, um, his hand is possessed. i know no, i know but <laughs> i just love the little noises though like it's sentient and it just cracks Ooh, me up. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you knew yeah. exactly what he was saying <laughs> yeah yeah, and that Ash like understood it, kind of like Han talking to Chewie, and it's like, what is what? And um, well, it is his hand. <laughs> I, that's what makes it work. I, We're just like, I yeah, wish it's part of him. I wish that there was an alternate script out there that had like dialogue, like psychic dialogue between Ash and his hand. Like that'd be amazing, but <laughs> not um, safe for work on here, obviously. But he uh, he cuts off his hand, and it's amazing. Also, the and just to show you, like. It's gonna be. I think also you'll understand this comparison. His like maniacal laughing, his blood is like spurting, like they're like all over his face and into his mouth. That was some Nicolas Cage stuff right there. It was. I'm pretty sure it inspired Nicolas Cage, which. Yeah. I wouldn't have that man any other way. <laughs> I, there's a part of me going, "Can we get an Evil Dead where we have both Bruce Campbell and Nick Cage just S- together screaming, killing Deadites, or just screaming? They don't even have any lines of dialogue. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I'd pay money to see that. 
I would but, uh, pay so much money. Don't even give me that idea, Caleb. I need to save up. I need- <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me things that won't happen. But um, uh, so yeah, Ash, and of course, and then gets the shotgun. He tries to shoot his hand, and you know doesn't do a good job. Because strangely, despite the fact he went through this like over the top fight scene, he like hesitates to shoot his own hand that's possessed and no longer attached to his body whatever um also this is another thing too that you like this is established pretty early in uh, army of darkness which you haven't seen yet but ash actually works at this place called s mart and the the tagline is shop smart shop s mart take of that way it, you will it's it's, it's the mr plow song and he's there's a scene where because he works in sporting goods so he like understands shotguns and rifles and they kind of elaborate on that more in that movie mm-hmm. and oh gosh there's a line in that movie that i really want you to know but it's just <laughs> I'll, I'll let you watch the movie because it's at the very end and you will know which line i'm talking about <laughs> one of many because that movie is filled with even one one more one-liners than this and right the funny thing about this movie is like he's a terrible shot because he's basically playing Tom and Jerry with his hand, which escaped from a bucket, yep. which, oh, by the way, it's not a subtle joke, but that's the point is oh, he's yeah. putting books on top of this bucket to hide his hand. And the top book is Farewell to Arms. I, I saw that and went, sir, you've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, who says that we need everything to be subtle? Like, <laughs> I was about to have like the full on like the room moment. Like you're tearing me apart. Like I did a really hard <laughs> kind of laugh. <laughs> I get it. Hey, cheap pops—they're a thing. So um, cheap. And this movie is essentially like just filled with cheap pops that know that they're cheap pops and make fun of you for liking them. <laughs> oh, that's fine. There's a difference when you do it knowing what you're doing versus I don't know, like doing it because you are. I don't know, not original, I guess. Doing it for a please clap moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Versus that's doing it to... because it's hilarious. Exa- yeah, that's the... Couldn't say it better myself. But um, There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, he... Honestly, you comparing it to Tom and Jerry makes it even better because he literally, like, crawls into, like, a rat. Like, there's a hole in the wall just, like... T- like where Jerry would go. So I'm like, it's the perfect analogy. So he keeps missing at him. And then we see the hand, like he's reloading and the hands just like tapping its fingers, just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is the best gag of the whole movie. I'm sorry. There's oh, nothing funnier than that. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's funny too. Cause like, and then there's a subplot of like the, uh, I guess like the daughter and husband of the, original couple that found the uh, book of the dead they they've shown up with more pages and they're going to like go to the cabin. Uh, and it's this whole subplot and showing like how they get to the cabin, despite the bridge being taken out. Cause apparently there's another uh, uh, way there, but it just takes longer. Mm-hmm. And Oh yeah. Because the bridge is destroyed by the way. Yeah. In a beautiful so painting. You're wondering, yeah. Or <laughs> you're wondering like how like, that's a plot. holes. like, it's not, they, they thought of that. Right, because we get the repeat of him like trying to drive away, and then you just see this. It's just completely ripped up and torn apart. It's not flooded. It's just like it looks like a giant animal just ripped it in half. And it's a painting, but it's a really good painting, and it fits. It works for what it is. I mean, 
it's one of those like if you're gonna get upset with them like dude this movie is not for you because you're clearly gonna nitpick yeah if you're gonna be so, like that doesn't look real i was like bro then why are you watching evil dead 2 like what <laughs> I know. like know what you're getting into but obviously if y'all are listening especially still at this point you, you, you know what you're getting into so um but i just love like because after this is when ash just loses his mind for a solid few minutes mm-hmm. and like the like he starts like the lamp starts laughing the deer starts laughing and he just starts laughing with them and there's the <laughs> reflection too he has that weird reflection oh that was cool where it grabbed I, that's such a great effect because i was like okay i forgot that that's a body double just because the way they framed it it looks so good yeah like you're not aware but yeah and ash like i said he just for a few minutes he caves in to the madness because why not and- <laughs> I mean, with what you, with what he's been through, uh, it's just like <laughs> might as well have man, fun. <laughs> the man needs a cathartic moment. He's kind of earned it, and uh, and he had that like the iconic screen like screen grab of like it zoomed in on his face with his eyes wide, with a giant smile covered in like blood and stuff of him just like completely losing it, which is what you always see get posted up when you see Evil Dead Two pictures. That's a great shot. <laughs> it's one of the most important shots from the entire trilogy. And it's him doing the little boom, bop, boom, bop, boom, little up and down dance with a lamp. Yep. <sighs> yep. And uh, wouldn't have it any other way. And it's all like, you know, they're laughing and laughing. And suddenly when the door gets knocked, it just immediately turns around and shoots. And all <laughs> of like, a sudden his stormtrooper aim is gone and he actually hit something. <laughs> We, which, is, which is even funnier because like you don't have to have that good of aim with a shotgun just be in the general area my god i know and well they were and we get okay so before we it's uh okay so their names are annie noby jake who's like this very stereotypical hick and like yes. you know he literally is like which <laughs> that should it's say fine, as no, much I, as it needs to <laughs> it was fine like i'm once again, it's one of those, like, if this is where you draw the line, clearly this movie is not for you. Right. And Dan Hicks actually has worked with Sam Raimi on several things. He, uh, I think he, he, he did pass away, which is really sad. But he was in Evil Dead 2, Darkman, and Intruder, and several other Sam Raimi films. Like, they had a very good working relationship. And he's, from all accounts, apparently a pretty nice dude. So, and, oh, and he's a Michigan boy. Yeah, he has. Wow, he's been a lot of stuff. He was in Wishmaster too. Good for him. And Spider Man too. And oh my gosh, I'm just looking <laughs> at the. He was in My Name Is Bruce. He was in Oz the Great and Powerful. Which you guys remember Oz the Great and Powerful? Sam Raimi directed that, by the way. That's yep. <laughs> like I I forget that. But then when I think about it, I'm like, actually, that that makes a ton of sense. There's a hand scene in there where I was like, that's Sam Raimi. That yeah. <laughs> like where they quick side note i just have to say this where from oz the great and powerful where it's probably my favorite scene mila kunis's character who is the wicked witch she you know eats the apple and she basically becomes like the witch that we all know and fear and she's transforming and then her hand comes up on the table and it's all green and claws and she drags it along the edge of the table and i was like that is the most sam raimi shot from this entire movie and it very much gave me shades of evil dead too which i really appreciated but that 
you know, that's just me. Yeah. And <laughs> there, so, we back to the story. We have yeah. Bobby Joe, and she's, you know, she's kind of there. And makes one of the single reason. worst decisions I've ever seen in a in a horror movie. God, which even all the other characters are just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you- <laughs> yeah, which is funny, which tells me, like, obviously, like, it was not bad writing. That was intentional. Right. Like, it, it, it very much were- was made clear that this is a choice you do not want to make. <laughs> yeah, it's self-aware. It's, uh, like, even by this time in 87, like, a lot of the, like, horror movie tropes were well-established, which means you can make fun of them. And yeah. boy, did it. Right. And the the funny thing was, like, she was um, Jake's boyfriend. So it, it actually made sense kind of how this chain of events went down, because initially it would seem kind of stupid for these characters. Like, without context, you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But if you were someone who was just like, hey, let's help these people get to this cabin because the woods got the bridge got destroyed and then they show up and one of the guys that they were with immediately gets possessed. <laughs> yep. No, well, first, they deal with the craziness of Ash shoots at him, hits somebody, and they proceed to beat the crap out of Ash, which makes sense. I would, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's an intruder on this woman's, like, her parents' house. And I'm like, it made total sense while they're just beating the crap out of him. And, uh, yeah, so, like you said, the guy that just gets immediately possessed, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> it It was jarring because they're um it, it wasn't the first thing to happen because they were listening to the tape and you hear by the way when i tell you a little bit of backstory on this you're gonna lose your mind but <laughs> they um uh, you know they're, they're listening to the tapes because they're like well why is he here and where are my parents where would they have gone because like nothing adds up so you know they're listening to the tapes and that's how we find out that the professor who had essentially like opened the portal for these evil spirits to come in and these demons, his wife had gotten possessed and he couldn't kill her. So he buried her in the cellar Yep, where Ash was. And yep. the first time I ever watched this, Caleb, I was so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was heart pounding. Cause as soon as he said, I buried her in the cellar and you just see Bruce Campbell just like, whoop, like, what did you say? What did you say? Uh, <laughs> I just love how it's like, it's almost like he's self-aware that like, he's the main, like he's like, when he'd say like main character syndrome, hmm. it's not really a syndrome. If it's true, I guess. And it's like, he knows it's like, Oh God, that means. And on cue, she pops up out of the ground. Just boop. And she's like this big, hideous, massive evil demon pudding. And yeah. Oh my gosh. That suit looks absolutely miserable to be in which it was because they used to so a little bit of backstory here guess who played possessed henrietta (laughs) that's right guys ted raimi (laughs) is not only sam raimi's brother but he is one of the most prolific character actors in genre films that i can remember he's in so much stuff he was ted hoffman in the spider-man trilogy which people forget he was uh in ash versus evil dead and 
gosh, that was good. He was also Chet Kaminsky in that, but he came back and played Henrietta in that TV series. They fixed the suit, apparently. <laughs> because <laughs> the suit was I would a nightmare. Hope so. But he I keep forgetting this. He was in the grudge, crime wave, intruder, shocker, dark man. He was in Candyman. He played the bad boy in Candyman, the intro. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he's he's been in Invader Zim. He's been in Code Monkeys. He's been in Twin Peaks. He's been in Supernatural, Baywatch. I mean, dude, <laughs> the man is everywhere. <laughs> and he was also in Xena Warner, uh, Warrior Princess and Hercules as Joxer the Mighty. Oh, my Lord. That so basically is, wow. Like, hey, you want a you paycheck? Yes. <laughs> he, he just he's like, as long, I'll work, but you got to give me something weird to do. Like, <laughs> you got to make like, me you know what? <laughs> which I don't think he was super happy with this role, not because it wasn't fun. But the suit, okay. It, it's several parts that they have to like peel off of him. So like, there's makeup, but it's this big giant suit that like once you're in, you're in, dude. And I mean, you've been in big suits before, Caleb. You you know how incredibly <laughs> lumbering and difficult they can be, and yep. they look especially good. Depending, oh yeah, they look great. But especially depending on I don't know, like what the temperature's like wherever you are. Right. So, it's I, I'm glad that they probably weren't in Texas heat. Because, well, I, I know for a fact they didn't film in Texas, but like they have this giant, and you've seen the suit, Caleb. You've seen this costume. Yes. They would take and the they, suit off of him and sweat would pour out. I would know nothing about that. I like, and not even just like, oh, you can see some sweat and there's a little bit you wipe off it. Like it would literally cascade off of his body. Oh, I can believe that. I mean, I've, I've been there where as soon as you take the suit, it looks like someone threw you in the pool. Yeah. You're, you're just literally miserable. (laughs) Yeah. He long days on set, spending a lot of time in this because it's a prominent character. They show up quite a bit. Oh my gosh, he was like, dude, I sweat so much. <laughs> I hope, yeah, he probably, if he needed to lose some weight, this was, well, a way to do it. But um, not the one that I would recommend as someone who's learning about nutrition coaching. This is not the way to lose weight, guys. Yeah, it's like of all the ways that exist, this is one of them. God. And, um, <laughs> uh, so these people show up, and like you said, like, uh, uh, one of them immediately gets possessed, and they and pull. Find, like, well, they pull Ash out of the the basement because yeah. they're like, "Oh gosh, he wasn't lying." <laughs> oh gosh, and like you're saying, like the stress of like Ash, be like, "Give me out, give me out!" I'm so tired of this. Everywhere I go, <laughs> and the guy, the guy who threw him in there is also the one to be pulling him out, fighting for his life. Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course, there's like, well. I guess you're telling the truth. And then immediately one of the four of them just get like, uh, Oh yeah. Ed gets possessed mm-hmm. and Ash has to kill him the only way you can. And that's by dismembering him, but not before he gets to have some fun to remind you this may be a horror movie, but it's a goofy one. Well, they give a great monologue too. <laughs> True. 
they basically like, and we're already like a little over halfway through this movie. This movie's not going to run for oh, a lot fast. longer. It, it's fast paced. And, you know, he's spinning around and he's like, we're the demons in the night. We're everything that has been and will be ah, dead by dawn, dead by dawn. Yeah. And he does this. <laughs> oh, my God. I, th- I call it a shimmy. Because it's like this weird, like thriller esque glide slash like waver, and he's floating in the air, and he just goes, "Is you have to see it to believe it." But if there's any way I could summarize it just by talking, it's basically like (laughs) it's literally okay to help. Like, I mean, I know as time goes on, less and less less and less people get my Futurama references, which gives me the big sad. But oh. he basically pulls the Zoidberg like the whoop, 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 like when he goes like he starts like waddling like a crab or like a lobster, and like that's literally what he does, and it's hilarious. <laughs> he doesn't even bite Bobby Joe. He just rips a, a big chunk of her hair out and eats it. And I'm I like, know. bro, what? <laughs> like you're the most ineffective, like possessed person I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, dude, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> It was like so unexpected. It, it, You're just like, Whoa! I know. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things of like, are you trying to rein this in for kids? Like, what is this? But also you realize it's a goofy, and here's the comedy aspect. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, I said, Ash gets them and puts them down. God, he does. Because he understands the assignment, and um, oh, but they also uh, Henrietta tries to get out, and they're struggling trying to keep her maintained. So Ash yep. just acts like he tripped off his skateboard, and he's gonna jump on it and break it. And which <laughs> that, that's the only way I can describe exactly how he jumps on top of this. But yep. he lands on it, and Henrietta's eye shoots out, and they do oh a close up shot of it, just going. Like it's very clearly on a green screen, but it's whooshing through the air. Yeah. And it goes down Bobby Joe's throat. <laughs> and, no, and literally has that like it, uh, uh, it's flying, uh, uh, flying. Uh, like, oh my god. I was like I was <laughs> it was just a couple minutes of action and I almost passed out from laughing because it's just so ridiculous. And they're just like everything all at once. <laughs> I was waiting for that to be how she got possessed. I mean, it, it didn't, didn't happen, but I was waiting for it. All signs pointed to Lauderdale, but apparently Lauderdale wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> they, they pull a couple of those throughout the throughout the movie, and it was so funny because, like, she, you know, they tried to do the whole thing, like it's me, it's your mother, because she was singing uh, some song, like trying to convince her, like, oh, I'm not evil, I promise. And that's, yeah. you know, that's, they're playing all the, the Deadite classics tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, basically, like, you have that checklist of, like, what, like, tropes and stuff of, like, horror movies are we going to use in this one? And the answer was yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's uh, no other way to describe uh, it. Yeah, it got to the point of, like, okay, which ones have we not used yet? Okay, let's fix, let's fix that. Use them and, all, um, like a shotgun, just firing into the movie. And yeah. we, this is the one that, interested me and i wasn't sure if it was a mix of things or if it was a deliberate well it was very obvious it's a deliberate choice but 
they did like some exploitation film stuff where it's like they had camera zooms as the effect and yes. it wasn't like oh there's a big monster oh there's something because there's something trying to get in and they're all just like Ooh. but it would slam on different parts of the cabin because they'd be hearing noises and they're like <laughs> I got that like speed racer thing like oh <laughs> it's cracking me up that, that's actually a great way to put it <laughs> that's a good description but Ash's hand makes a return yes and yes, it does. holds Bobby Joe's hand which I love the little line of dogs she's like would you stop squeezing me so tight and Jake's like I ain't holding your hand and oh it's just Bruce's God. severed hand which yep leads to the tree scene but but done better but or done in like the way it should correctly. have been done the first time <laughs> yeah done correctly and Ooh. I just and, I, and we alluded to it earlier like she freaks I mean and understandably freaks out like that's not the issue i would to any rational person would that but would be the final part, straw for me too <laughs> yes but here's the thing you've been told about how crazy the so i was been like made to run out like may out to the front porch and like kind of like just sit there freaking out or may like run to a p- different part of the house she just books it into the woods no stuff there are no this train not only does the train not have brakes, they were never installed and <laughs> just takes off. And all three of them are just standing there going, uh, and Ash is like, you, of all the options, you somehow made a new one and it was the worst option. <laughs> and you managed to pay to like blaze a new path that only led to things that were significantly worse. Yeah, than anything you could have chosen. Like, you would have had a better odds going down into the cellar and taking your odds with Henrietta. God, and, um, I know, but she, yeah, she gets destroyed pretty quickly by getting dragged off by the trees, which thankfully do not sexually assault try her. Try anything. Yeah. <sighs> they they yeah. just basically and, kidnap her and, and kill her, as the woods tend to do. And Yeah, when, <laughs> when they're possessed, yeah. I mean, uh... I, I really feel like, cause I mean, like you said, since Remy talked about how like that was a mistake in the first one, I feel like this was like his way of being like, sorry. Yeah. Like <laughs> here's how it should have happened. My bad, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, look, that's a trope of, of, of horror. The other person runs out into the woods and the woods kill him. So yeah, we're good. And, uh, and the next thing that happens is like, I get it. It's like, uh, is when Jake takes those pages as they're trying to translate them and he throws them to the cellar because he's so determined, like, we gotta go get Bobby Joe back. Hmm. And Ash is like, dude, she's dead. Yeah, he straight up was like, if she ran into the woods, dude, you can forget about her. And he's right. But yeah, but if I were if, if I were Jake <laughs> oh, no, I, and I, I had I Bobby Joe I would probably do the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to go after the person like, after, you know, after, your, you know, love of your life. I mean, uh, but just the, so I understood that part, but it's just like when you took the pages and like threw them in the cellar, I was like, you son of a, how are you going to get them back? Like, I was just like, even if you found her and got her back, what were you going to do afterwards? Yeah. Why but, wouldn't you um, just be like, I'm going to hold on to these for a minute. And like, I I get that it was just to, you know, raise the conflict. Like it still strikes me as something that that character would do. 
I was just yes. like, oh, you, you mother. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it didn't take me out of the movie. It had me per, like upset at him as I should be because very clearly written for me to be upset with him. The desired so, reaction. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, it's like, sometimes people are like, I hate this character. I'm like, that's by design. So you're telling the writers, good job. Dolores but, Umbridge um, has entered the chat. <laughs> yes. Or like US agent. When they're like, I hate him. I'm like, you supposed to, but <laughs> oh um, my gosh, it's almost like that was the point. But um, yeah. So basically, they go into the woods, and uh, I do do think that was a nice touch because Ash was in the cabin at night before, but since he didn't go out into the woods, he didn't get like repossessed. But with him going out back in the woods, he's well repossessed, and apparently gets super strength. Because he can just <laughs> he beats throw people the tar out of this dude. Because the first time I watched it, I I didn't know. You know, I went in completely blind. So yeah. I I'd actually seen Army of Darkness before Evil Dead Two, which y- you miss a couple jokes, but they chain they retcon it a little bit to where you don't get everything spoiled for you. And I was under the impression when I first watched it, I was like, oh god, Jake's gonna get possessed, or he's gonna get like lifted up or thrown or something and because they framed it like they had the you know the camera sweeping in which they've had throughout the movie and it was it was chasing <laughs> when it was chasing ash throughout the camel at the beginning of the movie i was like oh my gosh this is this is what i wanted because they <laughs> they obviously have much better equipment to do it with too it's not just sam raimi riding a bicycle <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I'm still amazed they pulled that off, but now they actually have the budget to do it and not stress. True. Like when they were chasing Ash through the house of like, it's knocking over like doors and stuff. As he's oh my. <laughs> actually just a quick side note about that. I was like, Oh, POV when you're being chased by Mr. X. Cause he just, he scared the crap out of you. And you're just running for your life. Pretty much. <laughs> I just honestly, it's even funnier if you think about the fact that there's nothing there. It's just Bruce Campbell throwing stuff at the cameraman. <laughs> I know. That, that, that was the part. I was like, <laughs> that's what made it funny for me because I was like, wait, it's like, it's like represented as like an invisible spirit. It doesn't take a form. So what are you running from? How do you know you're getting away from it? It's like, also dead silent on set too. That's the funny part. So like. Bruce Campbell's just like, eh, uh, 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 like on a silent set as people like the boom guys running, trying to keep up. And like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, how keep, I, I'm sure there's a couple of times where like, Hey, we're not going to film this. We're just going to let him do this. So everyone get, can get the laughing out of their system. Dude, dude, it was unreal. And it was also how we found out that Ash was really smart too, because yes. he hid inside the walls of the house or cabin. I think I said cabin is Campbell earlier and that's funny, but <laughs> he, he hid in there and they're like, the thing just gave up. It was like, mm, that was funny. <laughs> it's a, like the fact that like, which once again, the Mr. X remind like what it reminded me of because like in RE2 remake, there's a couple of rooms that if you go into, he will not follow. And I discovered one of the, like when you first go into the elevator that takes you down into the sewers, when you go down those stairs, he will not follow you down there. And one time he was chasing me. I got down those stairs. I literally just saw him like stand there staring at me. And he just turned around and left. Just like, nah. And I just, <laughs> I just busted out laughing. No, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what it was. 
Uh, it was so good. But th- this was the return. Th- this was like the big moment where it's coming back and you're like, oh, no, here we go. Oh, yeah. He's possessed again. You're just like, oh, this is this just got bad. He And this character has just gotten the crap beaten out of him the whole movie, which mm-hmm. I don't know whose idea that was. But the fact that he was like, let's do it is so like number one, good sport. And this guy just cannot catch a break. He is. Nope. He's gotten beaten up. He lost his girlfriend. He got beat up some more by the guy that he was trying to beat up. And <laughs> he gets stabbed. <laughs> yep. Because, I mean, to be fair, we, uh, Ash was basically doing, uh, he was doing what Linda, he was doing to her what Linda was doing to him kind of at the beginning of the movie. And she thinks when, he, when the door opens, it's him. And so she goes to stab him. And it's, well, it's Jake. And uh, this was a genuinely tense scene, too. I like the more I think about it, I was like, oh, wait, like Ash is kind of scary when he's possessed because it's like we see him outside and he's struggling to get in and like he can't get to her. But there's scenes of quiet where we're following uh, Annie Noby as she's like walking around trying to like find out where he's going to come in next and what she can do. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of (laughs) scary. Yeah. Of course. When he got stabbed, I'm like, okay, now he's dead. Yeah. Nope. He is not. The man is resilient. <laughs> <laughs> but what he died from, they made sure you knew that he was dead. Oh my gosh. When he gets dragged over to the cellar and Henrietta gets him and basically, oh. apparently, she has lawnmower powers. Oh His blood God. just like, like, it's like he got put it, like, I think wood chipper scenes in mafia movies aren't as bloody as what happens. It is. It's so overly bloody to the point where it's hilarious. And it, like, there's oh, no moment of it where you're like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. It's just, it's such like this big bright fountain of like giallo red blood. That's just spewing out. Like it's coming from like a water cannon. It is going all over the walls and mind you this man's legs are still above the cabin thing because he was too close to Henrietta and then she pulled him in and she's pulling him in and he just starts immediately spewing blood like he's an exploding Kool-Aid balloon yep it's unreal but it it made me laugh so hard it's oh yeah and to keep the running joke because we mentioned earlier about how like Ash always gets like cleaned up miraculously except for like three lines of blood the house also gets miraculously cleaned multiple times after a ton of blood gets just spewed everywhere. And I also liked that as a running joke too. Yeah. It's once it happens so many times, it's deliberately there and they just play along with it. But like Ash eventually gets in and like he doesn't kill her, but he thinks he does. And he sees the little, necklace that he gave to Linda on her and that's when he has his big Darth Vader no moment and somehow like breaks the curse I'm like the power of love dude I know I was like you should have animated some power of friendship stuff going on right now but um (laughs) it was honestly this the amount of damage that they take and then go is that all you got is pretty anime (laughs) (laughs) there's so many times where I was like you're gonna get up from that like Oh yeah, or the only thing is like they might cough a little bit of blood, but that's it. I'm like, uh, you should be way more hurt than that. But um It's just classic, but like she shoots at him understandably. 
I would too. And he's like, and I like, said I'm all right. <laughs> well, to be fair though, there's a part of me of like, I understand why she was initially scared, but like, he doesn't look the thing. Like he looks like himself. Now I'm like, girl, you're not blind. Like, right. It's there's, yeah. There's, and also he's able to talk. Like, well, then again, actually I take that back. Strike that. You know, when, you know, the, her, her mom was, you know, turned at the cellar. So I strike that. She probably thought it was a trick. So never mind, and uh, yeah. So he calms her down, like, "Hey, it's actually me." And uh, this is where we get Ash goes into his final form. Is the only way I know how to describe this. That is the only way to describe it, because <laughs> he gets the outfit we all know and love him for. He gets the which I don't know how you just. Like, I understand getting the shotgun. I don't know how, what thought goes through your mind of, I no longer have a hand. Hey, replace it with a chainsaw. Why not? Using and, it basically as just like a weapon stump. Yeah. And and I love how, like, they give him a little harness and the thing on the harness where, like, so that way he could actually like, rev it up. I thought that was clever. And then, of course, he saws off the shotgun. So, so now it's a sawed-off shotgun. And he's just like... And, of course, the iconic line... And since I know how much you love these movies, I'll let you have it, Austin. Groovy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got to say it right. I wanted to make sure. I had to breathe for a minute. I was like, here we go. I've been waiting my whole life for this. (laughs) This is one of my favorite movies ever, guys. So you can understand. (laughs) I like the the one line is so iconic, like even in RE seven when Jack gets the giant like scissor chainsaw thing, he just he just hears like groovy. And I was like, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it, it's one word iconic. That's all you need. <laughs> it's just so like it feels like they they stumbled upon it and they're like, there's nothing else we can have him say. Yeah, and so like because like it's zoomed in on him, and it's also just because. Like Ash has been through so much by this point. Mm-hmm. It's just like you finally like it feels like he's finally getting a win. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of happy for that. And he does. He he doesn't do everything in by himself, but he does defeat the final form of Henrietta, where it basically turns into a giant lizard. And yeah. with Annie's help, he beheads it. But the the funny thing about this, because the hand makes a return, by the way. And I oh, actually yes. I can't believe I left this part out, but the hand came from two different inspirations, and because the hand sta- uh, stabs Annie Noby in the back while she's trying to do the incantations to send the deadites back to their universe, and it returns. The slapstick and the fight between Ash and his hand came from a short film that his friend Scott Spiegel made when he was younger, when they're you know when he was growing up in Michigan, and. <laughs> it's unreal. It came from a short film he made, but it also was inspired by a hamburger helper commercial. I was expecting Adam's family, so this was a, no. a turn I was huh. Attack of the Helping Hand, directed by Scott Spiegel, starring Linda. Um and I I'm not gonna pronounce it correctly, I'm so sorry. Kiraz and Sam Raimi. And Bruce Campbell's in it too. <laughs> it was also it's for Hamburger Helper. I can't. 
And they, they used helper, that hamburger helper. <laughs> he's fighting with his hand about. I just, it's so insane. And like, apparently, they quoted Popeye as a an inspiration for the scene where he goes crazy and he's doing the laugh like the ah, <laughs> with the lamp and everything. And I, just, okay. I, I had to I mean, add that in there. I I don't like. No, no, I no, I understand, <laughs> but like, I'm just like, I've, I've seen Popeye cartoons. I mean, I, I or if someone like we did like yeah, 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 like. He didn't do that, but okay. It, it was sure. the lamp. It was supposed to be for the lamp. Oh, okay. That, Th- makes that sense. was the, they had a, they joked. They're like, oh, let's make, have it do like a Popeye-esque laugh. Oh, and then okay, okay, okay. that's what they ended up coming up with. So like you have three stooges, Popeye, hamburger helper. <laughs> <laughs> like wh- what? <laughs> hey. It's like it's like someone said, goes, you know it's true art when you're pulling from so many different sources, you can't even keep up with it anymore. God, I know. There's some other trivia I'll I'll add in there at the end, but I, I want us to kind of finish up the summary of, you know, everything yes, that happens yes, in yes. this movie. So what? she you know, Annie's doing the whole incantation and she gets stabbed halfway through. And this giant monster. <laughs> <laughs> what is apparently the camera? Just <laughs> balls through yep head on through the door and it's this giant evil demon monster with these hands just going like (laughs) literally just like waving and like grabbing at it like it's it's got a hold of him and it's like trying to pull him through the window like with the trees trying to pull him through and i'm just like here's where the budget went (laughs) yep and it's all practical except and i do Except, except for the swirly twirly time portal that comes through the oh, air. Well, yeah, we'll get to but, that. Uh, but go ahead. I, I do like that. Ash is like, he, for I mean, of course, you know, he's scared out of his mind as any normal person would be. But I do like he, if it, like he kind of adopts the whole like, well, if I'm going down and like revs the chainsaws, like I'm going, like at least I'm swinging. I'm like, good for you, Ash. Show yeah. like courage for once in your life. He finally had that moment of like, I, you know, I could try and run away from this or I could die like a coward, but I'm going to fight back. Like he, he yeah. finally had that moment of courage and, you know, they, they finished the incantation and the monster gets defeated, uh, but not after making Ash noticeably grayer because there's a scene yep. when the monster first shows up where we, we basically do a time lapse of him having this giant streak of gray go through his hair. And a flower dying next to him. And it's just like, uh, which beautiful visual storytelling, <laughs> yeah. especially for this movie. But, you know, this giant portal comes and basically takes the monster and all the demons back. But it also takes Ash and his Oldsmobile. <laughs> yep. Chainsaw, shotgun, Oldsmobile and all. Caleb, where does it take him? It takes him to 1300 A.D. So right smack in the Middle Ages, which is not not alluded to. They have a scene with <laughs> where they're going like, over the, the prophecy and they're like, they said that some like a man from the future comes and saves the day from the deadite threat. And it just shows basically like this little stick figure version of Ash. Dude, I was dying. <laughs> I know. Like, like, dude, I was like, that might be one. Like, that's a moment where even like Zack Snyder would be like, I think you're being a little too blunt. <laughs> it was just so like it was like do you get it but 
by design, obviously, because they're oh, just like, yeah, dude, we yeah. don't even care. Well, it's also <laughs> it's making fun of like, I mean, not just horror movies, but like movies in general when they want to do like the, oh, there's this prophecy, but we don't want to give away who the prophecy's about. And like, I can kind of take a guess who it's about. It does like, not hey, treat you like you're stupid. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he ends up in the Middle Ages and a bunch of knights show up and are like, uh, you're a deadite. Like, <laughs> which, I mean, yeah. If, if I see a guy torn, torn to pieces like he is with a chainsaw for a hand, I mean, I would, I, I, I'd be worried too and be like, he must be the enemy. And it's because I was like, honestly, fair. Like, that's yeah. a pretty valid reaction. But, you know, they actually they have an actual deadite swoop in and Ash blows its head off somehow with the best aim ever. Because number one, hitting anything with a gun is a miracle. Yep. <laughs> number two, hitting something flying is impossible. Hitting number three, hitting something flying in the head so point blank that it blows its head off and shows the strings that it's flying in on <laughs> is astounding aim. Yeah. But I it's mean, perfect. Especially with a sawed off shotgun. It's, it's, I don't even know what to say. Like, what, yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed I mean, to add on top of this? Like, <laughs> and the best part is after doing that, like, when he, when he does that, all the, I mean, the knights obviously are like, well, he must not be a dead eye. He just killed one. Oh, he's the chosen one. And they're all like sitting there, like chanting, like hail. Mm-hmm. And Ash just looks on. He's like, "No, no!" And like just like, like, and it literally ends with him just like yelling to the heavens of just like, "No!" <laughs> and it ends on the fist. And yep. also the the funny thing that I don't know if you noticed the knight who is like hail to the hero who has fallen from the sky. That's Sam Raimi. Of course it is. That's amazing. I I saw him and I was like, I know that face. I know that man. <laughs> and it was, it's so funny. It, it's the perfect ending to pretty much a perfect horror comedy. And th- it's time for some trivia, guys, because th- there, <laughs> there's Let's a lot it. on here that we need to kind of throw out there. Guess who was the special effects artist for this movie, Caleb? I have no idea. Gregory Nicotero, which if that name doesn't sound familiar, he's worked on The Walking Dead. Wow. That's the most prominent thing that he's done. He <laughs> like well, he he's I mean, worked on prominent. Day of the Dead. He's worked with Tom Savini who if you're a special effects artist and you don't know who Tom Savini is, Tom Savini is your god. <laughs> he's <laughs> astoundingly good. He, Tom Savini did um one of his first big gigs outside of like Dawn of the Dead was also working on Friday the 13th. He you know, he'd pretty much made a name for himself at that point, but I mean, dude, like it, it's pretty astounding. And Greg Nicotero, you know, he's he's worked a lot on Walking Dead, Day of the Dead, and he did uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, you know, let me say that. Excuse me, guys. <laughs> he did uh, Frank Herbert's Dune, and he also did the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He is not only the special effects supervisor. But he's also the primary director on AMC TV series The Walking Dead. I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> he directed 31 episodes. The man has had a pretty stellar career. He's worked on Lone Survivor, The Hateful Eight, Suicide Squad, which I believe he won an Oscar for. Or I think that might have been hair and makeup. Oh, yeah, but, it was. I yeah. remember 
Because it threw everybody off. Right. Because everyone was like, Suicide Squad has an Oscar. <laughs> he did yeah. Oz the Great and Powerful. A very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hell yeah. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was sitting there like listening. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I had to say it. I was like, there's no way I can avoid that. He... Oh my gosh, he's done Breaking Bad, two episodes of that. He did The Gray, which had really good special effect makeup. He did Death Proof, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, The Beginning, I should clarify. He did Serenity, Amityville Horror, Sin City. I could go on, dude. This man has... <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> like, he started with Day of the Dead. Holy crap. Oh, he did the original Predator dude this guy's the man but he was one of the primary special effects makeup supervisors on this and he might have been the only actually and he described the scene remember how i mentioned how ted Raimi, all the sweat pouring out of the suit oh yeah well greg nicotero said they had to literally collect the sweat in dixie cups and throw it out as it came out leaders of sweat that's man yeah and you know the fact that he pulled through that is (laughs) dude (laughs) you're the man dude and also like respect that is one of the most film industry jobs i've ever heard of where you have to literally use dixie cups to like bail sweat out of a costume (laughs) that is film industry in a nutshell but they this was man this is just crazy to think about they did this movie it had been talked about when they first started it number one it was not filmed in tennessee like the first one so it's a different cabin it was filmed in wadesboro north carolina and it was pretty close to like wilmington where the office was because wilmington north carolina actually has a lot of filming there and it's just it's so cool like just so much of the stuff behind this but this basically came about after sam raimi who he he had been living with scott spiegel they lived in los angeles guess who they lived with caleb who the cohen brothers (laughs) hey guys we cut out for a second we had some technical difficulties that we have now resolved We've been here for a little while, but it happens. That's part of the that's part of the gig. That's showbiz, baby. But we were talking about how Sam Raimi had lived with Scott Spiegel, and we also found out he lived with the Coen brothers, who co-wrote the script for Crime Wave, which was their movie before that, and how they essentially established all these big connections alongside, you know, other producers and people that they worked with and it's just so cool. Like I was before, you know, poor Caleb had lost connection. You know, we were talking about like, yeah, he not only lived with the Coen brothers, he lived with Francis McDormand, Kathy Bates and Holly Hunter. Good Lord. That is a lot of talent (laughs) in one place. Yeah. It's dude. (laughs) It's like one of those things where you go back and you see like, I don't know, like, like wrestling classes, like, bunch of guys that like nowadays like all of them are like hall of famers or like big names mm-hmm. and like but they were all like at the same like it's kind of like that or like when you go back and you look at some snl classes 
especially based on like how their movie careers turned out. It's it's crazy. Gosh, dude, I know. I like I think about that, and I was like, God, it's like the OVW class of two thousand two. Or like, oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> Cena, Orton, Batista, Lesnar, and, <laughs> and yeah, it's just like good. How many home runs are you gonna hit in one? Like, good lord, I don't know. <laughs> I, I like, I just think about that, and I was like, look at where they all are now. Like, that's just it's so cool to see like all the names of people you know that they lived with at one point, or like even just collaborated with on any capacity, and like how far they've all come in their careers. Like, that's just cool. You know, like it's kind of inspiring. Cause you're like, you know, find your people and yeah, make things work. Know. And yeah. this whole like evil dead Two became, became what it is because Sam Raimi, his friends and everyone else that he was working with believed. And you know, it wasn't perfect, but look at what it's done for everyone involved. Look at what it's done for horror cinema and horror comedy and, and everything there. Like it's just so cool. It's such like, you know, it, it seems, you know, like it's a goofy slapstick horror comedy, but it, to a lot of people, myself included, it's a lot more than that. It was something that helped kind of form my taste and form, you know, my influences and things that I wanted to create and things that I wanted to do. And it inspired me. And the more I learned about it, the more I got inspired. It's a really cool thing. And Caleb, I'm really glad that you're open to watching this. And not only that, but that you liked it too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, like, I don't, like I said, maybe it's because it's helped. Like now that I have played, you know, games that are like, since this does do horror and comedy, I playing games that are just like pure horror life is going to suck like death space and uh, kind of help soften you up for stuff like this where you're like, okay, that's where my bar is. I can handle this. And yeah. um, this is, it, it's gory. It's ridiculous, but it's not so like overwhelmingly nightmaringly like terrifying that you're like, I hate you, Austin. <laughs> yeah. Like it freezes you up. You're like, I don't know what to do with the overload of information I've received. And uh, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I don't. And it's not like that. It like right when it starts getting like I don't know where you get kind of like it's getting scary. Then it does comedy, and right before it just gets too goofy, we're like, wait, aren't I supposed to be like a little like at least like tense? Then it gets tense. So I appreciated that. Like it kind of knew when to like it knew when to shift gears and when to do one thing or the other that made sense for the moment. And like, and it's just hard not to be a fan of like, especially from an acting perspective, like for me not to just respect uh, Bruce Campbell for, like I said, for like 80% of this movie, it's a one man show. Yeah. And that's impressive on several levels. And the fact he pulled it off with the uh, performance he did. I mean, I understand why this became a defining movie for him and heck, I don't know too many like even like leading actors today that if you made a movie where it was just them for like 80% of it, people would go watch it. I don't know if they would because you kind of need other people from the playoff of, but Bruce Campbell could do it all by himself. He literally proves it. Yeah, he really does. And it's <sighs> what is an iconic movie. What like an yeah. absolute mind blowingly iconic movie especially for horror people like you know, there's definitely some people who are like yeah this isn't my cup of tea and believe me when i say this i get that 
<laughs> I understand. But Caleb, I, I'm really happy to hear that you liked it. And I mean, if you guys like it, we'd love to hear from you guys. You know that we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Overcast. We are on your web browser. We're everywhere. <laughs> you can't hide from us. And get ready for some more spooky content. I'll give you a couple things that we're going to cover. We're still going to try and decide the exact slate for it, but this is kind of what to expect. Again, this isn't guaranteed. Don't scream at me, but you're, you're going to get both. I promise. We yeah, have, all these are going to happen. It's just the order. We have the original Halloween. Caleb's finally going to do it. <laughs> and I'm very happy for him because this movie is intense, <laughs> as many of you know. And maybe if you're like a horror nut, you're like, oh, well, when I look back on it, it's not as you know, scary as some people think it is. No, this movie's pretty scary. <laughs> and Caleb has very courageously decided to watch it with me. And I can't wait to see your reactions, Caleb. <laughs> it's going to be a time. And then after that, we're looking at Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice. Which, Caleb, I'm really glad you had mentioned Beetlejuice because I had just recently watched it. And I was like, perfect, because this is a great movie. So it is. It, it's anything a, to give me an, go anything ahead. to give me an excuse to talk about Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. I'm for. Right. We're going to talk about a lot of Michael Keaton in this coming year because he's also going to be in the Flash next year. It's so wild. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we're getting him, and we have a little surprise. It's comic based. So if you guys like the comic episodes, we're going to be covering a graphic novel. It's not what you expect. I'm just going to break your hearts right now if you're expecting it right now. No, it's not the long Halloween. <laughs> we will We're get to that eventually. Two years in a row. <laughs> we will get to it eventually, but not this year because we want to cover some other stuff. And Caleb had a great recommendation. So I'll let that one be a surprise. And with that, guys, happy Halloween. It's spooky season. I mean, it pretty much is for most horror fans year round for me, especially. But now is just the peak have a great spooky season it's only getting started we can't wait to celebrate halloween with you guys i'm austin cook and i'm Kayla mclemore we are the internet world order and we will see you guys soon see you guys groovy